0: And I would like to call in the spirits for our conversation here today. So I call out to the ancestors to be with us here today. To my ancestors and Betsy's ancestors and the ancestors of every person listening, not just now in this hour that we are talking, but all those who will download this show and listen to this show at any point in time, I call out to these ancestors to bring all that is good and true and beautiful into this conversation here today. It is on their shoulders that we stand And may we learn from those who have gone before us and go forward in a way that is centered in the heart and allows us to express that energy in all that we do in each day. I call out to the energy of the earth below us to bring us the energy of connection and connectedness to each other and to other living things, Um, a deep grounding and a sense of belonging. And may we open up to the energy of the earth and respond to her with gratitude and open up to our awareness that this this planet is our home, and we need to be accountable and responsible to this beautiful place that we have chosen to live. So we call out to the energy of Earth to give us place, to give us home, to give us this this place to gather. We call out to the sky above and call in the energies from above and by whatever name you call that energy, call it down to bring in blessing to our circle, generosity, and benevolence to bring in all the energies of the realms above and to bring in protection to gather around us, to circle around, to hold us well, that we might be able to to speak what needs to be spoken, that we might hear what we need to hear, and that all the questions that are there are answered today as the program unfolds. And we call out to the energy of the heart, the energy of the hearts of every person listening to this show and who will listen to this show to to gather round today in this circle and to connect to each other and to open up to the amazing power of the heart to merge the passions of the body with the clarity of the mind to bring out of each one of us the true and unique gift that we have come into this life to deliver to the world. So with all these energies gathered round on our own helping spirits, we call in all those who support us in our life here as humans and we thank them for their presence. And we thank Betsy Bergstrom for joining us here today.
1: Hi, Christina. How are you today?
0: I'm doing pretty well. Thank you, Betsy. And today, Betsy is going to speak about the things we didn't actually get to talk about in our prior show. For those of you who are interested in hearing Betsy speak beautifully about her heart-centered shamanic healing work and depossession work and that whole aspect of Betsy's practice, the show is June 3rd. And you can download that show from the Voice America site or iTunes at any time you choose to for free. So I suggest that you... um, It was a wonderful show, so I strongly suggest that today we're going to forge ahead with new ideas. We're going to talk about shamanic mediumship and attunement, and in particular, looking at ideas that Betsy has found through her practice of helping people to become their own most powerful ally. So... um, if you want to, since you're listening online, if you want to Google around and find Betsy, her website is pretty easy to find, <laughs> BetsyBergstrom.com, right? Right. Yeah, so um, you can see uh, the information there about the classes that Betsy is teaching, um, what her different offerings are, the calendar, all that information is there. So please do feel free to check out Betsy's website. Um But what I was interested in starting today with is, um, Betsy, you're teaching a new class in October, and I was just wondering what that class is about and why you decided to offer it.
1: This particular class is is basically an introduction to shamanism, and um, I am excited about offering it because I like to include a little bit of a different perspective in it. Um, I like to start right out with the understanding that we are all very mediumistic people, not just particular people who are mediums, but we all are really attuning to and experiencing in different ways the vibrations, the energies, and the different things that are going on around us. And so in this particular class, I, I am able to... Um, Help each individual find their particular way of connecting with the helping spirits and the compassionate beings who are around them in ways that give them immediate access and, um, and, that, and, and with using the pathways that are already intact for them, pathways that they've already used in their life in a regular kind of way.
0: So um, w- uh, is there anything in particular that inspired you to offer this class at this time?
1: Um, I think that this is a time when there are so many different things going on for people that we can experience a lot of confusion. We have so many different things coming at us, and this particular class is, um is geared not only to introduce people who um, have an interest in connecting with compassionate spirits and the different allies and beings who are really around us and willing to help us, but also people who are wanting to learn how to screen out some of the things that are coming into their lives in ways that are maybe a bit disruptive. Mm -hmm. So it's um, laying the groundwork for people to be able to become, I think, in some ways, much more autonomous and much more themselves by being aware of how they operate in the world Using, you know with their own sensory abilities and perceptions, and then being able to use those particular sensory abilities and perceptions to connect even deeper in very meaningful ways with the compassionate spirits.
0: So I want to ask you a question in a minute about the middle world, but I just want to create a little context. For people that are new to shamanism, um, that are listening here today, One of the ways to understand the invisible world that we engage in through shamanic techniques and mediumship is um, to understand it as having an upper world and a middle world and a lower world. And this is... true for many many shamanic people around the world it's not just a contemporary manifestation it's it's the way many cultures see it but understand there's also as many cultures in the world that just see it as the other world there's here and there's there (laughs) they don't make that distinction but it but it's helpful and so i was wondering since you do focus on the middle world and a lot of trainings don't what is it that you find about the middle world that is important for people to know and to pay attention to
1: well, I, I think the thing that is the most striking about um, having an interest in the middle world is that we live in the middle world. Um, we're always being affected by what's going on in the middle world, both in ordinary, what would be, we could call ordinary reality, the kind of things that we see and feel and experience, and also non-ordinary reality, which could be the dream state or the, or the interface with the other world in, in, um, you know, in our lives, in, in what we could call the middle world. And so I think it's a huge importance for us to have a, a strong understanding of what is in the middle world with us. And, um, and to be able to successfully navigate it, um, I think that we can use some of the skills that we already have. Wonderful.
0: So um, my sense from what you've been saying is that people can take this class without any prerequisites? Absolutely. Good. Okay. Um, So for for more information about this class, people can look at your website, but I just wanted to say again that it's a three-day residential retreat um, at a retreat center here in Oregon called Still Meadow, and the dates are October 2nd through 4th. Is that all correct?
1: correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a a very beautiful retreat center that um, has been part of a spiritual community for many years, so it creates an absolutely incredible environment for um, for a class like this to happen where we can be inside um, working, learning how to journey shamanically and being aware of um, connecting with the ancestors and other different ceremonies. We can also go out into nature in this particular site, and there's old-growth forest there. And there's just a um, a truly alive... Um, Environment in the area for people to experience using these other, you know, using these senses that we'll be paying attention to and helping people to open and be aware of.
0: And for those of you who don't know, Oregon is absolutely exquisite in October. And it's a really, we have a fifth season we call Indian summer, and it's really lovely. So it would be a beautiful treat to offer yourself, especially if you haven't quite had enough summer vacations. It's a wonderful opportunity to nourish yourself with. So, I, I highly recommend it for those of you who can come. We have just a few minutes till break, but why don't we start with um, just a simple clarification for people about shamanic mediumship and and what this term means for you in, in its broadest sense.
1: Well, in, in the normal context, people think about mediums as being people who are channeling or bringing through, talk, you know, talking to the spirits of the dead or or maybe um, channeling some kind of extraterrestrial information or something like that. And that all can be a particular strand of mediumship. But when I think about shamanic mediumship, what I'm referencing is that we are you know as human beings we're actually most we're really energy we seem really solid but we're not and so we're we're living in a world that has um so many different vibratory and energetic things going on around it and our our what we think of as our physical bodies and our energy bodies are always experiencing those um, those different things that happen in the environment around us and so shamanic mediumship is about being recognizing that that we could be as a human being at the effect of emotions of living people who are around us, um, and we could be at the effect of, of um, for, for instance um, places in the landscape that have gone through. Um, particular experiences like war or even something very positive where our body is going to experience and somehow be informed by the energy that's going on around us. And with shamanic mediumship, one of the things that we can learn to do is be aware of what's happening around us and be aware of how our body is responding and reacting to it. And we can also begin to, to... Um, decide who and what we want to attune to. In fact, when I teach shamanic mediumship, the very first things that I like to um, offer people are experiences in connecting with and meeting with deities or very powerful compassionate spirits. And, And when people have that opportunity to connect with those beings, those compassionate and loving and very helpful beings, They're literally what can begin to happen is that the energetics of their body begin to attune to those compassionate beings and so it begins to change us in a good way. And you know, help us in some ways just to survive the stresses of the environments and of all the different activities and things that are going on around us.
0: So it seems like one of the main ways this would enrich our lives, even if someone had no desire to be a shaman or something like that, it seems useful for anybody to just get a better sense of what is going on around them, why are they feeling the way they're feeling, and what they could do about it.
1: Absolutely. I work with a lot of sensitives, and so these are survival skills for sensitives that we'll be offering.
0: Beautiful. So we're going to talk more about this as we come back from this break and explore this, um, these energies and what they might be and attuning to these compassionate beings. So Betsy, thank you for being with us here today and thank everyone for listening and we hope to hear you um, with your questions or your emails as we come back after the break. Yeah. Welcome back. We are speaking this afternoon with Betsy Bergstrom who um, works has a practice around heart-centered shamanic healing. And again, you can find her information at BetsyBergstrom.com. And um, before the break, oh, and I wanted to remind you we are live today, so we're happy to take your calls, as the nice lady said, or you are welcome to email me with a question at Christina at LastMathCenter.org. So um, we were talking about shamanic mediumship, and what I really saw emerging from Betsy's conversation was, you know, if you, as a regular person out there in the world, never did anything that had anything to do with shamanism but this, but to learn this one thing, how to navigate all the energies, all the different things going on in the middle world, and and frankly learn the extent to which you already are, or at least you're sensing things but don't know what to do about it, this seems to me to be one of the most valuable offerings shamanism has for people today in, in general, in the most general sense. Um, so Betsy, why don't we continue with this? So um, let's just start just with kind of how, what was important about this that really brought you into it, and let's just move from shamanic mediumship into what you found can happen in people's lives through these attunements.
1: Well, one of the um, the things that I observed was um, for myself that I'm actually what people would call very empathic, and so that means that I can really sense and feel what's going on for other people. And when I began working in an alternative health care clinic years ago, I found myself being incredibly sick every single day and the longer I worked in the clinic, the more I realized I was attuning literally to the pains and the discomforts and the different traumas that people were, you know, had experienced and were coming into the clinic with. And when I left at the end of the day, I would have to spend time essentially reattuning to myself into my own particular state and so it, I began to really um, methods of being able to return to myself and to, um, but also to be aware that having a sense of what going on, is going on for other people could be valuable information, but I don't want to live with it every moment.
0: So at that point in time, were you not
1: necessarily working with shamanism specifically? Well, um, if you recall from our last conversation, I've, um, I have grew up in a shamanic family, <laughs> so I've always been working with yeah. different spirit guides and teachers. Um, but this was before I had a shamanic practice, per se, definitely. So so you were in
0: many ways at that point, to the extent that you are like other people, like other people. <laughs>
1: exactly. You know,
0: just going to work, doing your job, getting home and asking what the hell just happened.
1: Yeah, and why don't I feel good? Yeah. And, um, and, you know, even being aware, the more... You know, and working in that environment, I became more and more sensitive. So that even driving through particular intersections, I could feel the road rage in the morning or mm-hmm. something like that, and, and it would affect me for a period of time, and then I would be able to slough it off. And so I began to just watch this and think, what is going on, and um, and how do I get a handle on this? Well, and as this band- is important because
0: I know a lot of people that say, well, I'm empathic, as if that's an explanation for all the ills of their life. And while it may be an explanation, it's not an excuse because they can still learn to do something about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the way that I would look at it is that it it can define us until we realize it doesn't have to define us. Mm-hmm. But what And what I've come to realize is that our body... Is just this incredible instrument that's always giving us information. But we're um, essentially often what happens for us as children is we learn to tune out some of the most basic and powerful perceptions that we have. You know, many children um, go through stages or periods of time in their life where they are seeing things, whether they're imaginary friends or they're hearing things, and and consensual reality says, no, 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 that's not really happening. And, and what I have come to realize is that we're all given some kind of survival skills, some kind of survival perceptions like this, and unfortunately oftentimes the environment around us doesn't support us maintaining them or keeping them. Mm -hmm. And so we then don't learn how to manage them or how to work with them. And because we still have those senses operating, um, we may then experience something, but we, in a way, are in denial of what's going on. And so we end up being really much, you know, sometimes living at the affect of what's been happening for us.
0: Yes, I see that a lot. I also see, I think in some people, um, the, the counterpart of that, which is they're so forced into their survival skills, they're pegged on 10 all the time, and they, they're a little crazy.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: like yeah. they present a little Like they, they're just so constantly in those um, mediumistic skills that they're not really dealing with every the everyday
1: very well anymore. Yeah, that's a very good point that can go one way or the other. And I think people who've had traumatic backgrounds often have, Often are thrown into their particular perceptions. I mean, they they become kind of hyper vigilant, or they become hyper, you know, hyper using them. I guess is the best yeah. way to describe it. Yeah. It
0: seems to me, that, and this is kind of what I'd like to go into now, is by starting to give people skills and a, and a frame of reference, perhaps um, they can start to either um, come back up out of being shut down or come down out of being amped up. And find a place of balance, and well, I guess one would hope an ability to use the gifts they've been given in their life to live their life in a good way.
1: Absolutely, and and to um, to be aware that, um, for instance, if pe- when people are learning how to um, do the shamanic journey, oftentimes people have an expectation that the journey is going to be very visual for them, and for for many people the. Visual sense is not the dominant sense. They might be more, um, they might be more sensory, or they might be more cognitive. In fact, I've come to look at these different perceptions as the clairs. I mean, people think of clairvoyance—that ability to see something extra, whether it's um, seeing visions or seeing the past or seeing the future or seeing. Um, compassionate spirits or spirits of the dead. I mean, there can be all different kinds of clairvoyance. Um, there can be clairaudience where people can hear uh, their helping spirits or their guides or sometimes they hear even the dead people around them talking. You know, it's always good for, for people who have clairaudience to be able to figure out what it is that they're hearing and what spectrums are already open to them. And the clear sensory, you know, when people just can really sense that something's going on. That information is coming in through the energetics of their body. And clear cognition, when people just know something and they don't know how they know it, but they know it. And um and then there can also be extra olfactory senses where people smell things. You know, often the shamanic songs are about the sweet smelling, compassionate spirits or the you know, the bad spelling, you know, um, Bad spirits—the ones who cause problems or illness—and so, um, for instance, when people channel um, Mother Mary, for instance, they'll often experience the scent of roses around her. So that olfactory sense can be very powerful for people. And so, it's—I I find that people love finding out what their perceptions are and to be able to work with them and and um, and and realize that to journey shamanically or even just to be in the regular world, in the middle world, and be aware of what your dominant senses are will help you to get an understanding of what's going on in the environment around you.
0: So then the next step would be, well, I don't know if they're the steps, but another aspect of this would be the attunement then um, with right. these compassionate beings. So let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Well, when we when we learn how to work with mediumship um, in my in my way of experiencing it, um, I'm aware that we're attuning all the time to people around us. So, you know, and that's true. It's sort of like we're, we're we're human ourselves, and so we're around a lot of humans, and so that's who we attune to. And so the humans around us often have their own issues or problems, and so we're maybe feeling or sensing or and somehow being impacted by those. So what I've come to see is that... Um, one of the most powerful things that we can do for ourselves is learn how to attune to compassionate beings. And um, for instance, in different um, cultures or different, even religions like Buddhism, sometimes some of the things, the practices that people might do are attuned to particular deities where they really take on the, the energy, the aspect, they imagine themselves like that deity. And what actually begins to happen for people when they do that is they do begin to match that resonance. And so it becomes very healing, very informative, very enlivening for them. And um, in a reverse kind of way, if people, for instance, are really into horror things and, and they're watching you know, kind of darker um, things and they begin to identify in some way or, or focus on those energies, then they will literally attune to those energies too. So one of the things that I've found with this attunement is that if we want to have more protection in our life, if we want to feel like we're less vulnerable on, in whatever dimension or whatever aspect of our life, when we begin to attune to the truly compassionate, the really powerful, the very positive, what we'll find is, that, is our energy, our vibration, our whole being begins to match that resonance and we begin to um, become much more safe in the world.
0: I've often had... Um, mostly young clients in that particular situation on protection say, well, why wouldn't I want to stay attuned to this really powerful, nasty being? You know, this, this being seems to be able to kick everybody's ass. <laughs> and I haven't really, I don't always find a good way to to help that person understand that these compassionate beings, from my, my way of thinking of things, are, are always going to be ultimately the the greater energy because they're connected to the oneness of everything. But I don't know what would you say to that.
1: Um, that's that's an interesting point. I haven't personally come across that, but I uh, when I think about it, um, my I think my response would be that personally, what happens for us when we are in the presence of a big kind of negative being or negative energy, no matter how powerful they are. Well, what will happen for us is that our energy will begin to attune to that energy. And so, you know, our physical bodies are great big magnets, and so what that means is even though we might think that those beings are doing something powerful for us or helpful, we're actually so attuning to their resonance that we're going to magnetize more dark stuff to us, more trouble, more issues. Right. One of the things that happens for us, you know, in... in um, contrast is that when we attune to the compassionate the beings who really are expressions of the you know of the loving and beneficial qualities of the oneness then what happens is that our body our being our whole expression begins to um, magnetize those kinds of energies and expressions to us and so our life actually changes in really positive ways beautiful
0: we're going to talk more about that wonderful idea when we come back from this break thank you Betsy Thank you. Welcome back, everyone. We are here speaking with a shaman Betsy Bergstrom. And what we're talking about today is attunement, um, primarily attunement with powerful, compassionate beings, um, and how our, our learning to attune with them, but also our willingness to re- attune with them, um, can change us. And one of the things um, that Betsy uh, does in her work is a process of helping people to discover their true self and how that becomes their most powerful ally. So Betsy, could you talk about that?
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, as as we can all be aware, we we experience many different things in our lives and and some of those experiences are positive and some aren't so positive and we change in in relationship to those experiences and sometimes um, we can feel like we're just not how we used to be and I have found, you know, people are always asking me, for instance, how do I stay protected in the world as a sensitive or or a person who's in a stressful environment? How do I keep myself protected? And what I began to realize is that one of the most powerful protections that we have is our own true self, and that true self is, is the deepest truth of who we are and how we are meant to be in this particular lifetime and that true self is still intact even though the you know the self that's been through many experiences can feel like it's been victimized or harmed or or recovering or in whatever kind of state that they might be in it's really important for us to know that 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 within us residing is a part of ourselves that absolutely has never been injured absolutely has never lost sight of the vision the knowingness of who we really are retains all of the qualities that um, maybe we're no longer experiencing because of things that have happened to us. And so it's one of my favorite um, allies to introduce people to and people find that they love themselves when they actually get a chance to meet with their true self.
0: So um, can you describe for people how that process works?
1: It's really simple. Um, The you know, I start out by just helping, by doing guided imagery and helping people to enter into some beautiful place in nature. And then I ask people to really kind of anchor themselves into that beautiful place using all of their senses. So I invite them to see the details of the landscape, to hear the sounds, to experience the temperature of the air, the feeling, the special quality of that place, to To touch um, different objects or textures, even to taste sometimes, and and what happens then is that there's a there's a natural relaxation that happens for the body just to be able to go even in an imaginary way into such a safe place, and the that place in nature needs to be a sanctuary, a place that is absolutely safe, and then in that sanctuary, I just invite people to ask for their true self to join them and the true self always does join them. And when it joins them, I ask them to just pay attention to what perceptions are, are aware of their own true self and to meet their true self like they would be meeting a new person, you know, where you, they walk in the door and you get a sense about who they are. You can experience some of their qualities. You can experience, the you know, whatever you might notice first about them. And I just encourage them to invite that true self to come closer and closer and and eventually perhaps even to merge with them and Each time that a person merges with their true self, they remind themselves they get remembered they get re enlivened they they get refreshed in the sense um, and what I like to tell my students is that each time you merge with your true self, you are reestablishing the blueprint of who you are who you are and how you're meant to be, not only physically but also emotionally, mentally and certainly spiritually. It's a very so very simple process go ahead, sorry okay. okay,
0: so um let's talk about what what happens then in how this um i don't know, transforms people into being able to become allies for themselves.
1: Well, it's a, if we if we accept the premise that we are mediumistic people living in a world that has a lot of influences going on around us, then one of the things that can happen for us is that we lose sense or sight or understanding of who we are and what our own feelings and what our own experience is. And so I think that before we ever want to really learn how to attune to anything or anybody, a deity... Uh, um, you know, some kind of compassionate being or some other expression, we want to know who we are. And so to meet with the true self is to get a very powerful sense of who we are. And once people learn how to stay connected with that true self, then it becomes an ally within a source of strength, a source of the trueness of who you are. And it, and one of the things that actually can happen is it can give you all the strength of of all your own qualities along with incredible clarity. People who find themselves strongly aligned with this true self begin to be aware that they are able to be in, for instance, conflict or difficult situations in a different way. They retain their center, they, um, they see more clearly. It's, you know, sometimes if we get triggered, we get, in some ways, um, I think, narrowed down in our focus or in our awareness. I think sometimes we get disconnected from so much that we might find ourselves living in a world where we don't recognize the oneness in everything. You know, when we're in our true self, we really understand it. And when people are in their true self, it actually elicits the true self of others. So it becomes a wonderful way of interacting in the world because you're the one now who sets the baseline of how people are going to express themselves around you.
0: It seems to me in in rapidly changing times, which we are all sharing right now, that it would be critical to have a a daily practice where you're reestablishing your true self and that blueprint um, because who
1: knows what the day brings these days. Absolutely, and one of the things I like to do is teach it in a long process, you know, where people do it through guided imagery, and then I ask people to merge with their true self before they ever go on a shamanic journey, and and believe me, their clarity in the shamanic journey is going to become um, quick, very fast for them, you know, that people people find that their journeying skills really take off when they when they work with that true self as the first being that they merge with the first being that they connect with and then for um you know each time that you do the you know a long slow Meeting with the true self, you are really getting to understand different aspects and abilities. But you know what? Sometimes in the middle world, you know, in our life, we need our true self right now. And so, I also teach a really quick way to merge, where the true self is just boom, it's there, quick. You know, and you're, you're in the, you're in your life, and you're experiencing it in a different way, just in a second.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Um, and so then. Uh, how does the relationship work then between the person and then the person is merging and attuning with their true self and then there's the compassionate beings?
1: Right. So once you know who you are, then you can have a much better experience of a compassionate being. And so then we learn to really hold, um, you know, hold our our own ally, that true self with us. And so when we then invite the compassionate beings, say Isis, for instance, if we were going to um, be mediumistically connecting with Isis, we would invite Isis to come and join us. And then from the place of being merged with our true self, we're going to have a much clearer experience of who she is and what her energies are like, and, and even a mental, you know, a mind-to-mind or consciousness-to-consciousness kind of connection with her. It brings a lot of clarity. And so... Um, we are, then in that way we're getting a double attunement, we're getting an attunement to ourselves, which helps us in every kind of way, and then we get an attunement to her and to that, you know, that beautiful, gracious, um, very loving quality that she embodies.
0: Well, it seems to me that the part of the beauty in that, and there's a lot of beauty in that, but part of it in the contemporary world is, so here I am an everyday person, I'm dealing with life, who knows what life just threw at me, and so... I have not only my, my point of reference, but my clarity of myself, but I have this compassionate being who may offer me guidance or some sort of help in this situation, especially if I craft a question and ask. So this answer comes in and I can interpret that answer then really clearly through the context of my true nature. You know, in this moment, you know, so I've just lost my job. And my true nature is like, ah, because I thought I was expressing myself through this job. But the compassionate being says, this is a great opportunity. And suddenly I'm not panicking because I'm seeing the whole situation of losing my job differently. So it's it sounds to me that this alignment with the true self and then the attunement with compassionate beings is is becoming critical to get through a day.
1: <laughs> and uh, Yes, I mean, I really agree. And and think about it, you know, if you're in a demoralized kind of state because you've been let go from your work and you're really frightened, then that's, you know, then the, that's an energy that you're emitting or kind of saturated with. And remember, we're very much these big magnets. And so that kind of, if you're looking for a new job, you're not wanting to magnetize from that place. You want to be able to you know, to move into connection with your true self, to get um, some rejuvenation and some clarity and some just, you know, loving compassion from a compassionate spirit. And then from that place, look for your work. You're going to be, re- you're going to be um, magnetizing a much better experience to yourself.
0: Beautiful. Thank you, Betsy. Well, everyone, we'll be back after this last break for another portion with Betsy where we'll begin to talk about how we can use these ideas we've been discussing for our own just everyday protection. So thank you all for joining us this afternoon, and we'll be back. Welcome back, everyone. We are speaking this afternoon with Betsy Bergstrom, and we have a caller on the phone. Tony? Yes, uh, Christina, thank you for taking my call. I'm really enjoying the show. And I was wondering if you could spell out the website for Betsy Bergstrom because I, I'm not sure on the spelling. Oh, Okay um B E T S Y Betsy B E yeah. R G S T R O M yeah yeah okay so that the last name is B E R G S T R O M yes dot com fantastic thank you thank you and, Tony uh, really enjoying the show thank you so so Betsy so we were talking about um well, attunement, attuning with yourself, your true self, and attuning with compassionate beings. Um, and now let's start in the last part of this show to talk. Um, while I feel that is probably one of the most practical things people could do, one of the things people email me a lot about after the show is is protection. So how does this lend itself to people's ability to move through the day and do a better job protecting their own energy?
1: Okay. Well, let's talk about protection for a minute here. Um, the one of the things that I experience, because I have um, been working with clients in a hands-on way for more than twenty-five years, is that I will occasionally meet people who have thrown up big shields of energy or psychic barriers, and you know who've been in situations where they felt like they needed protection from something or somebody in the environment around them. And one of the things that I observe is that when people keep up a, a heavily Um, you know, a very powerful shield on themselves that eventually it really begins to drain them. Those kinds of shields can really take a lot of physical energy to keep up. Mm -hmm. And so interestingly, some of the people that I've seen who have fibromyalgia or other autoimmune deficiencies sometimes from the energetic sense have these big powerful protective shields that they've kept up for a long time. And And, you know, it's sort of a hypervigilance where they keep them on 24-7, and it actually ultimately drains them so much that other things begin to come into play for them, which then makes them more prone to something accessing them. That it's really
0: sense? fascinating because in the very beginning of my practice when I was learning about having an energetic boundary just to have integrity in my energy body, one of the things the Spirit said is that we're meant to have energetic boundaries just by nature. Um, it's natural to do that. We get taught not to, but that it's natural to have just a, a shape around ourselves of our own energy and that it's meant to be the front line of defense. And, and our, our immune system is just backup. And so, yeah. when people live without boundaries, they wear out their immune system because it's not meant to do the job all by itself. And so, it seems to me what you're talking about is that principle in in an even higher state of expression, where it's not it's this ec, you know excessive energy going into boundaries or or all the time, and then it's just wearing out the immune system.
1: Yeah, I mean, if a person is living in a stressful situation and they um, have Consciously or unconsciously, thrown up one of these barriers for themselves, they may find that they're just getting fatigued, or that other, you know, the stresses are starting to show through in some kind of a physical um, deterioration, or even a, an emotional deterioration. And one of the things that I observed, and other people observed too, who have been, you know, who are trackers or or people who pay attention to the energy of um, being able to move about in the in the world is that when, for instance, if you go out into nature in the forest and and the birds are chirping and, you know, their animals are moving around and then you step on a dry stick and everything goes completely silent, Mm -hmm. not just silence that happens, but it's actually a collapse of the energy field of those different little beings, those little animals and birds, in an attempt to make themselves visible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, then when they feel like, okay, the, the threat is gone, then what often happens in nature is that they they resume, their energy field gets resumed and, and they resume their lives. And, and you know, and so they're, they're not invisible. You know, they, their signature of who they are is no longer invisible. What happens for us as humans is we do very much the same thing. We collapse our energetic field when we feel, sometimes, when we feel like we're being preyed upon in some way. And unfortunately what happens then is that sometimes what's preying upon us can get in even closer if we never bring it back out. And so people who've been in, living under a lot of stress sometimes have been living for a long period of time with a collapsed or nearly collapsed energy field. And so they really feel the need for protection at that point in time. However, if you throw up a psychic barrier, um, it, it can screen out good things, too, and it's also just expensive energetically to keep up. So what I, you know, what I learned was that um, one of the ways to really be protected in the world was to um merge with your power animals in you know if you remember from last time talking I'm part Northwest Coast native and I was connected with my power animals early on and what it was explained to me was that everybody has power animals just like everybody has guardian angels and so you could work with a guardian angel or you could work with a power animal if you know who they are and you know in my tradition they were known as totem animals and so What I was taught with my totem animal, for instance, would be to envision that totem in front of me in my mind's eye and then to ask that totem to drop its form. You know, if it's an elk, then to drop the elk form and just become pure energy and pure light and invite that elk energy to merge with me. And then that just absolutely changes and re-enlivens my energy field. In the same way, we can invite our true self to be there and we can see all the different qualities of the true self, and we can invite that true self to merge with us, and that is going to change our energetic field. Working with curlian Photography, we've tested all of this out. I mean, there's a dramatic difference between before and after merging.
0: And for and people, people that don't I'm believe sorry. it's this simple, I lived for seven years extremely poor in Manhattan and never even witnessed an act of violence, much less experienced it, because this is what I was learning and playing with at that time in my life, was understanding these elements of working with your helping spirits and protection. And it's it's amazingly effective and, and much more energy conservative.
1: I really agree, and um, and we can also do that with our guardian angels too. That you know, many of us feel closer to the guardian angels than maybe we do to nature spirits or those kinds of beings. And in the same way, those guardian angels—that's what they're there. They're there 24/7 for you. And and often, you know, in it, one of the things that I'm struck by in connection with with compassionate spirits is they so often say, "You just don't call on us enough." You know, the, the more they. The way it was explained to me as a child from the Native perspective is that you have totem animals or you have these guardian beings, and if you don't know about them, they can do their guardianship of you up to a certain point, but once you begin to call on them, then their ability to help you gets magnified immensely, and so they can be of more and more and more help to you.
0: Well, this is critically important. So I want to remind everyone about Betsy's class because this is one of the things that we as contemporary people have forgotten, which is the spirit world can only help us so much. It's not going to rescue us. That we actually need to participate, to ask for help, and in that simple act of doing it and then learning how to do it, there is um, endless resources out there for us. So as we close here, I want to remind people um to register potentially for Betsy's class, October um, two through four in Oregon, and you can learn all of these things we've been talking about today, and put them into practice in your everyday life. So thank you, Betsy. Thank, thank you, you to Christina. the ancestors. <laughs> thank you to the earth, the sky, and the hearts that connect us all. Um, Betsy, it's a it's a wonderful opportunity to speak with you again.
1: I've really enjoyed it, and. Um I am just so grateful that you are doing such a great service by having this radio show. So thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Betsy. So everyone, go out and find your true self.